0: Welcome to the Spark Parent Podcast. The Spark program is here to help parents and caregivers not just survive remote and hybrid learning, but to thrive during it by providing free support and resources tailored specifically to what families need. Spark is part of the Learning Technology Center of Illinois. The LTC is an Illinois State Board of Education program that supports all public K-12 districts, schools, and educators through technology initiatives, services and professional learning opportunities. Today's podcast was originally recorded as a video webinar. If you're interested in viewing the video recording of this webinar, please check the show notes for a link to the YouTube video. Hi everyone, my name is Colleen Kaplan. I am the remote learning outreach specialist for the Learning Technology Center of Illinois which is under the umbrella of the Illinois State Board of Education. Uh, Traditionally, the LTC has really only focused on uh, technology, professional development, and support for teachers and educators across the state. But with this new world we're living in, they've created a new program called the SPARK program, supporting parents and remote kids. And all of our resources as part of the SPARK program are geared specifically towards parents and supporting parents and caregivers as you work to get through uh, this time of remote learning and hybrid learning with your students and families at home. So we know that supporting parents and caregivers during this time of remote and hybrid learning means more than just helping them learn how to use Google Classroom and giving them troubleshooting advice for their computers. We know that in order to get through this pandemic with your family unit still intact and everybody liking each other, you're going to need more tools in your parenting toolbox. So with that in mind, we've created a new series for the SPARK program that is focusing solely on social-emotional learning and is going to be mainly driven by Abby Lyons who is our guest speaker here today. So Abby is a former first grade teacher who is now the social-emotional learning interventionist and coach for McLean County Unit 5 school district and in this role she's responsible for writing and piloting new social emotional learning curriculum for the kindergarten through fifth grade as well as educating and supporting teachers as they enact that curriculum in the classroom. So today, This webinar with Abby is the first of two live webinars that we're doing for parents and caregivers around social emotional learning, and it's going to lead into a new five part course that we'll talk about a little bit later today. And before we get started, if you would like to learn more information about the SPARK program and the free resources we have available for schools, districts, parents, and caregivers, you can check out our information on our Twitter or at our website. And we'll also go over it a bit more at the end of our webinar today. Now, let's get started with well, Thank you
1: for creating space in your day um, to come here and be present with us and learn with us and engage with us. Um, like Colleen said, my whole job is social emotional learning, which means that I get to spend my days with teachers and students talking about things like self-awareness, self-management, relationship skills, responsible decision-making. And I was with a group of teachers earlier this morning and I said to them, I said, if you have any question in your mind, whether or not social emotional learning is important, go ahead and jump on Facebook. And just holler at me and let me know if you think your friends and community on Facebook have a keen self-awareness and uh, relationship skills because it's evident in our world today that everyone needs practice with these skills, myself included. I often say I'm an SEL coach. That's what I do all day. And when it comes to my personal relationships, it's really hard for me to deal with conflict. And that's what I'm teaching people how to do all day long. So we all need this work. Um, And tonight, specifically, we're focusing on the brain and stress. Um, And the purpose for starting there is to really anchor our understanding of what's happening in this experience of COVID-19 living through a pandemic with our brains, with our students' brains, so that we can better equip ourselves to really meet the needs of ourselves and of our, our kids and our communities. Um, And then from there, next week, we'll really dive into some strategies around social emotional learning and really talk through what you can be doing at home to support your child's well-being. Um, And just so you know where my priorities are right now in regards to providing support, my job technically is to work with teachers. But what we know right now is that caregivers are the buffer for stress for their child. And so my emphasis with educators has been on communicating with caregivers and working with caregivers because you all are the people who are really showing up and supporting your kids in your homes. Um, So that's really the emphasis of what I'm doing on the day-to-day and why we are having these sessions because we know it's so important for our caregivers to feel equipped and to be equipped to support your your kids. Um, So before I get too far into content, what I'd like to do is invite you to put both of your feet on the floor, wherever you are. And put your spine in a line, which just means to reach the top of your head up towards the ceiling. And your shoulders can soften down your back. And notice if your shoulders have been up in your ears all day with stress and just soften them. Let them go down your back. And you can close your eyes or pick a spot on the floor or the table in front of you to put your eyes. And take a moment to just check in on yourself. Ask yourself, how am I? Whatever comes up with that question is allowed to be there. It gets to be there without judgment, without attachment. You get to feel how you feel because it's how you feel today. And take a deep breath in through your nose. Open your mouth. Exhale. Let it go. Inhale. Fill up. And exhale. Let it go. Big breath in. Open your mouth. Exhale, side out. You can open your eyes if they're closed. Come back into the space. The second part of what we'll do to just ground ourselves here is to share uh, our two-word check-ins. Um, so just so you know, this is going to be like an active, engaged session. This isn't Abby, the Abby Show. Um, that's not how I operate. I know that you have a lot to offer, so I'm going to ask you and encourage you and, and make a request of you to participate. It is a choice. So if you do not want to participate, there is no pressure there. Um, but what I'm going to, c- going to do is um, make you feel like your child and I'm actually gonna call on you um, and ask you if you would be willing to share what's called your two-word check-in. So I'll show you what that is first and then we'll, we'll move into it. So a two-word check-in is just two words about how you feel right now. So adults tend to want to explain why they're feeling what they're feeling. So people will say things to me, teachers will say things to me like, I feel anxious and overwhelmed because I have 9 million things that I'm supposed to be doing right now. All I want to know is the two words, anxious and overwhelmed. Because you don't have to justify why you feel what you feel. In this space, whenever you're with me, you're allowed to feel what you feel because that's exactly how you feel. And if you have kids at home or if you're working with kids in, in, in any area of your life, offering them a space to just say how they feel without the expectation to explain why they feel that way can be really empowering for them and really empowering for you and them in that connection. Because a lot of kids are resistant, a lot of people are resistant to sharing how they feel because they think they're gonna have to explain themselves. And sometimes you just don't know why you feel what you feel. So let me show you what it looks like. I'd like you to introduce yourself, your first name at least. So my name's Abby Um, and where you're from, I live in Bloomington Normal. In central Illinois and my two-word check-in right now is content and curious. Okay, is everyone clear? Okay, um, Corinne, would you be willing to share your two-word check-in and who you are, where you're from?
0: Sure. Um, I'm Corinne, I live in Swansea, Illinois, so down by St. Louis. Um, and I would, I would say my two word check-in is overwhelmed. Um, but also, uh, um, like not anxious in a bad way, but anxious in a good way. In yeah, cool. Thank you. I'm going to
1: add one more thing, Corinne, since you're the Guinea pig. Sorry. I want to know why are you here? Like, what, had you show up?
0: Um, I'm here because I saw it on the website. It was a free SEL thing. And I love SEL. I'm a music teacher. We've got songs that we can like use, but I'm also doing social studies. So I don't know. It's just a lot. I'm just soaking everything in.
1: Great. Thank you so much. Thanks for being here. Sure. Um, Amelia, Amelia, Could you tell me how to say your name?
2: Hi, my name is Yesenia, actually, but oh. I left my daughter's name there because she is uh, R E on Saturdays.
1: No it's worries. Easier. So, yeah,
2: is, it, okay. is it Yesenia? Yesenia.
1: I know someone, uh, my friend from the gym is also named Yesenia.
2: Yes, that's my name, Yesenia. I'm from Addison, Illinois. And uh, my two we're checking right now is curious and also sleepy. Yes. <laughs> I'm sleepy (laughs) right now.
1: Thank you. And why are you here? What how do you show up tonight? I'm here
2: because uh, I got an invitation from my uh, kids' school, and um, I've been signing in on every uh, invitation they send me. The more I get, the more I get to hear and to know about what's going on. The calmer I am. And the more aware that I am that I'm not the only alien feeling what I'm feeling. So that's why I'm here to learn.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for taking the time and doing all of the things to support your kiddo. I appreciate you being here. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Cassia, did I say it correctly?
2: Yes. Hi, (laughs) pretty much. (laughs) Yes. Um, okay. Uh, it's hard for me to explain uh, my feelings because I don't know English very well. So uh, I can help you. Um, basically, I'm here because I wanna learn something more how to help uh, my son and myself in this uh, horrible situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, so um, more I want to listen <laughs> than than explain myself because you know um, I I don't know English well so it's hard for me. Uh, so, but I'm from Wood Bay, Illinois, so very close to Isenia. Very
1: good.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, so, and uh, yeah, I'm trying to, to catch everything from from around and from the school. That's why I'm here.
1: Great, thank you so much. Maybe Sounds later I, I, I will participate more. <laughs> Sounds good. Thank you so much. I appreciate thank you coming you. on. Um, Amanda. Hi, I'm um, Amanda Woods. I am um, from Wooddale as well, Um, In my two-word check-in, I would say excited and stressed, so kind of the two spectrums, and I am here um, because I am stressed, and so the title of the uh, webinar really you know, struck a chord with me that I was hoping to learn some um, ways to help myself as well as my um, son cope in this crazy world and help to de-stress a little bit. Great. Thank you so much. Um, Alma, are you, are you on, available to speak?
2: Good evening. I live in Chicago and my, my two words are stress and tired. Thank you. Uh, my English is not
1: okay. I can
2: understand, but it's hard for me to speak. Well,
1: we can understand everything you're saying. Um, what, how do you show up? Why are you here?
2: Um, because I want to learn more about the, the worship
1: from today to help my kids. Great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thanks for being here. Thank Paul, you. Would you like to share?
0: Sure. I'm Colleen. Uh, I am up in Buffalo Grove in Northwest suburbs. Um, My two words are tired, curious, Um, and part of the reason why I really push to do something like this somewhat selfishly, Mm -hmm. I have a a three-year-old at home. I'm working from home and momming a three-year-old full-time Um, So we are very much all up in our feelings in my house um, to the extreme. I see a lot of people nodding, so you know what I'm talking about. Um, And I need ways to cope for myself. Um, I need ways to cope for him. And I figured if I am needing it, Lord knows you all are probably needing it as well with kids that are like actually in school full time. So that's why I, I really push to try and to make something like this happen yeah thanks so much thanks for being here and facilitating
1: and bringing me in um great thank you all so much for sharing again i just want to acknowledge you for creating space in your life um to support yourself and to support your kids um you're seen i am not a parent thankfully uh living in a pandemic and so i just want you to know that you have people who are cheering you on um who maybe have a little extra energy To to support you so um, now that you know me I'm gonna I'll drop my email in the uh, chat at the end and you are welcome to email me anytime with questions if you need strategies to support your child you are welcome to email me I am committed to supporting communities during this time with all of the information that is inside of my brain I want to get it out into the world so um, I will definitely drop my email in at the end Okay. Thank you so much for participating. I appreciate it. I'm going to dive into some content to teach you um, about the brain and about stress. And what I need you to know is that this information comes from the work of Dr. Bruce Perry. Dr. Perry is a child psychiatrist, an adult psychiatrist. He has a, a breadth of understanding and a depth of understanding about the brain. So all of the slides that I'll share tonight come from his work, which means I can't share the slides with you after. So if you are interested in things, make sure you take notes on things um, so that you have the information from the future. But for the future. But I also ask you that you just give yourself some grace. If these are new concepts to you, new topics for you, just take in what you can take in and it's exactly what you need to do and where you need to be. And know that in the coming weeks, which we'll talk about at the end, um, we're going to be doing a lot more support and work through Spark for you all in the form of uh, an e course. So, there will be a, a huge amount of information available to you um, starting in October, I believe, um, around this information. So, all of that to say, this is just a tidbit of a much larger piece of information that will support you and support your kids. Okay. Let's dive in. So what you need to know first and foremost is that stress is not bad. In our culture, in our society, we often talk about stress like it's a bad thing. I'm so stressed. I feel so stressed. This is so stressful. But stress itself is not bad. The way that stress happens in a pattern can either be healthy or unhealthy for us. So stress is healthy for us when it is predictable, moderate, and controllable. I'll give you an example of that in just a moment. And when stress is predictable, moderate, and controllable, we become more resilient. And right now in education, that word resilience is huge. Teachers, educators, school systems, districts are really working to figure out ways to promote and support your child's resilience to stress and to the environment of school. We want them to be strong people who have self-confidence, who are self-aware, who can manage themselves, et cetera. Oppositely, when stress is unpredictable, extreme and prolonged, i.e. a pandemic, we become sensitized and vulnerable to stress. So living in this pandemic, this COVID experience, is absolutely unpredictable. We had no idea that it was coming. It was, you know, just kind of came on, thrown at us, schools shut down, totally unpredictable, extreme in that it totally has changed the way that we live our day-to-day lives, and prolonged. It's been going on for what feels like forever, and there's really no clear end in sight, which means that every single person... You, me, your child's teacher, your child, that person you see at the grocery store, your pastor at church, whoever it is, is sensitized to stress, which means that the way that we respond to things looks really different than the way we responded to things before a pandemic. So if you have raised your voice or gotten overly frustrated or, um, I don't know, made decisions that didn't seem like decisions you would normally make throughout this pandemic, that's because you're sensitized, you're sensitive to stress and your body and your brain are reacting to that. So part of what you need to hear is that how you're feeling is totally normal and totally healthy, really. It's a healthy response to stress. If you didn't feel anything, I'd be concerned right? Everyone is living through a pandemic. It's very difficult. So another example I can give you to help you understand this is exercise. So I've been, I I decided um, because I wasn't busy enough to to train for a half marathon. So uh, next week I'm going to be running 13 miles. I've run in the past, but I haven't, I hadn't really run a lot when I decided to start running, training for this half marathon. So what I could have done is said, okay, Abby, you're going to run 13.1 miles on October 3rd. So on August 1st, go ahead and run 13 miles. And then August 2nd, go ahead and run 13 miles. You need to run 13 miles every time so that by October 3rd, you can run 13 miles. That would have created an environment for my body that was unpredictable. My body would have been like, what in the world are you doing to me? Extreme. It's way too much from where my body was and prolonged that's way too long to be running that number of miles so instead what i did was i started by running one mile and then two miles and then three miles and each week i've added more miles i've started running faster and i've built a tolerance to running so now i can run further and faster that's exactly what we want to have happen in our brains we want to add small doses of stress in a predictable, moderate and controllable way so that we can become resilient to our lives and be able to handle more things. So what does this mean for us living in the middle of a pandemic? One of the things that it means is that we want to create as much predictability as possible in our lives. One of the ways that I do that for myself, I eat the same exact thing for breakfast every day. Like there's no question that I'm gonna eat muesli, cold cereal, yogurt, and a tablespoon of peanut butter. I create predictability in my day. That's one less choice I have to make in a given day. Another way that I create predictability in my life is by, by committing to movement, some form of movement every day. My body knows that I'm always going to get movement in. Another way that I create predictability is by setting boundaries for myself in relationships. I tell people with my words what I need from them if I'm feeling overwhelmed. So I create that predictability for myself. I don't fly by the seat of my pants in relationships. I'm very clear about what I need, when I need it, and how I need that. So as much as possible, we want to create predictability in our lives while everything else seems unpredictable. You can't control everything and you shouldn't control everything, but there are opportunities in your your day to create predictability. That could look like waking up at the same time every day, waking your child up at the same time every day. It could look like creating a ritual with your child before they get onto their online learning, right? So every morning maybe we wake up and eat breakfast, we ask each other what's your two word check-in, and then I help you get logged on, and then you do your, your work, and then at the end of your whatever synchronous time, right, the hour you're with your teacher, at the end of that, I'm going to come back and, and do a two-word check-in with you. I, I just want to acknowledge that I know that's not feasible for every family to do. Um, but just as an example, right, you can set up some structures in your life. It could be that every day at dinner, we do a two-word check-in. I, I create predictability in sessions. If you come next week, I'll start the exact same way that I started today. Three deep breaths, two-word check-in, why are you here? Then I teach you content. I want people to know that anytime they join me, it's going to look exactly the same way so that it it reduces stress for you. If you came on and 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 you didn't know what to expect, likely how you felt today, it adds a level of stress to you. I try to reduce that as much as possible. Does that feel clear to everyone? The idea of predictable, moderate, controllable, the idea of unpredictable, extreme, and prolonged. Any questions or thoughts that you want to add to that?
0: Could having something like a printed schedule at home, Mm -hmm. like posted, be a good solution where, because I'm thinking if maybe I'm busy working during the day or I'm not home, but my kids are home, something that I could try and do to contribute is have like a a printed schedule up so that they can see what's coming for that day, dry erase board, something like that.
1: Yeah, and to add control as a layer to that, co-creating that with your child, sitting down and saying, what is our schedule going to look like today? So that they have choice in it. That will increase the control that they have, thereby increasing predictability, thereby increasing their resilience or tolerance to it. Yeah, thank you. Anything else? Also, what I want to say um, as, a, as a caveat, and I say this to teachers all the time, what, I'm, what I don't want you to do is to leave this session and be like, all right, everyone, scratch everything we've been doing. Start over. We've been doing everything wrong, right? I don't want you to do that. So if you take one tidbit, just one small thing, and, and, and do that. See how it goes for a week. Another small thing, try that. Don't just like blow up your life and your child's life. That's going to create unpredictable, extreme, and prolonged stress for everyone. And we're going we're gonna to have some fires that will need to be put out. And I don't want to be responsible for that. I'm not, I didn't sign up for that. Okay. All right. Let's keep going with content. So there are ways, right? That we, we're, we, this is a really nice transition. There are ways that we can set our lives up to be more predictable, moderate, and controllable. So daily structure, family meals, limited media, exercise, reaching out, helping others, sleep hygiene, positive and future focused. And for some people, those those things are natural and and, and come more intuitively in their lives. uh, For if you're like a type A person like me, I thrive in this environment. However, once a pandemic was introduced into my life and my job changed, and I was living with different people because my living situation changed and it was cold outside, right? My, my whole entire life, my patterns shifted over to chaotic, prolonged, and uncontrollable. Minimal daily structure, comfort eating. I scrolled Instagram for hours. Minimal exercise, emotional isolation, right? Not being around my people, self-focused, sleep disruption, and being negative and ruminative. All of those things contribute to vulnerability. So if we notice those things starting to happen, we can start to make choices, right? Especially with like media, for example, I can make a choice to say, I'm going to set a limit around my media so that I'm creating a more predictable, moderate and controllable environment for my life. And these things are pretty intuitive when you see them on a piece of paper, but when you're living in the middle of a pandemic, trying to raise a family it can be difficult to see with clarity what's actually going on. And so seeing it on a piece of paper or on a screen is hopefully helpful for you. And then we also know that cultural factors um, can increase risk or increase resilience. So having meaningful work, this is important for your child too. If you, if you experience your child in the remote environment, feeling a, a meaninglessness or a purposelessness to their days, um, having conversations with them about that can be really important. I know remote learning is not ideal for every child. For some kids it's better, right? But for some kids it's not as, as useful because they don't have those social connections and things like that. And so really talking to your child about how are we going to create meaning and purpose with our days? Maybe it looks like creating a list of people that you can reach out to every day. Maybe it looks like chores around the house. You know, there are lots of ways we can increase meaningful work for our kids um, But knowing that and noticing that uh, with your child can be really helpful. Secure income, secure housing, cultural connections, mainstream culture and ethnicity, safe and stable family, and safe and stable community all contribute to resilience for a child and for adults. Don't forget about yourself in this, right? So if you're finding yourself um, disconnected, detached, and lonely from your people, that's that's not good for you. That's not healthy for you. And so part of what we're doing in this environment here tonight, but all, and why I asked you to have your video on, and also what we're gonna do with this e-course that we'll be offering for caregivers is really increasing the amount of connections that you have with other caregivers, right? It was mentioned at the beginning that I wanted to know that I'm not alone in this, that other people are going through this too. And so acknowledging that and feeling connected is really important for your own well-being so that you can really be the buffer for stress for your child. Oppositely, we know that there are adverse factors um, in, in cultures and communities, poverty, homelessness, unemployment, racism, cultural marginalization, community fragmentation, violence, maltreatment, children in foster care. And so we can start to see what's happening for, in our lives that might be contributing to um, a sensitizer vulnerability to stress. And we can start to make choices and ask for support to get us back into that more resilient, predictable, moderate and controllable space. Does that make sense to everyone? Does everyone feel clear around that? Okay, I have one more concept that I wanna share with you. Um, And then I'm gonna just open up the space for any questions that you may have or any feedback that you may have about what more do you need um, moving forward? because we'll take that feedback, we'll use that feedback as we create the course and as we offer more sessions in the future. So the last concept I wanna share with you is really relevant for both you and your child. So we know that the brain works from bottom to top. That means that any information that comes in from the outside world, so as I'm speaking at you, that information is coming in your ears and that information is going, this is a very basic, explanation of this, but going into your brainstem, the bottom part of your brain back here, and then it goes up through the relational part of your brain, the limbic system, and then into the cortex. The cortex is is our thinking brain. So once things get up there, you're processing them. You're saying, hmm, I've heard something about the brain before. Let me make that connection. Oh yeah, I do remember when I Yelled at my husband for his socks being on the floor for the 15,000th time during COVID. That probably means I'm sensitive to stress, right? You're reaching for things in your brain through your thinking brain to make connections so that you can understand what I'm saying. What's really important about this is that you can't access the thinking part of your brain if you are not first regulated and related. So the things that help us get regulated are things like movement, breath, relaxation, rhythm, music, um, input, like, like uh, sometimes, you know, kids have squishy balls that they like, uh, fidgets, you know, things that they use to get that um, what's called proprioceptive input, the input from the outside world into the, to their inside world. That's the regulation piece of your brain. One of the ways that I do that for myself is through exercise. So I have my best days when I exercise in the morning because my body is regulated. It also looks like eating and sleeping appropriately. So we need to be regulated. Once we're regulated, we're able to relate to other people. We can make those connections that are really important. And then once I'm related, then I can use my thinking brain. I'll give you a really clear example three deep breaths two-word two, two word check-in, two-word check-in, and then all of the brain science. So I set my sessions up with people to follow this because I want your brain to be fully engaged. So anytime I'm with kids or adults, we take three deep breaths to regulate, then we do a two-word check-in to relate, then I talk to you about your brain. This matters for you, so that you can use your thinking brain to parent your child. This matters for your child when they're engaging in the remote environment or at school. So if you're thinking about what are some structures, some predictable structures I can put in place that will support my child, before they start their work, take three deep breaths with them, ask them what their 2 word check-in is, and then get them logged on. So that way we're following the sequence of engagement. If all I try to do is teach them math, and they're not regulated and related first, any information that I try to get into their brain gets short circuited and they can't remember it, they can't recall it, and they can't integrate it or match it with what they already know. That's why this work is so important in our schools and why our caregivers are also huge components of this work because we wanna make sure ourselves and our kids are regulated and related before we're asking them to do any assignments because it just won't work. Your brain just needs to be regulated and related before we can reason. Does that feel clear to everyone? Does anyone have any questions about that content, that, that topic specifically, regulate, relate, reason? Next week, I'll dive into some specific strategies that you can use in each of those. Um, that, that are super simple and easy for, for you to use, but also to teach your child. But for now, three deep breaths, two word check in, then we ask kids to do homework or to do, to
0: do the asynchronous learning or whatever that looks like. I actually have a question about that, not necessarily Please. about synchronous, asynchronous learning, but what if, how can that be applied to something like power struggles? If, like, I'm mm-hmm. guessing a lot of parents are having a lot of power struggles right now so can that same philosophy be applied to sort of regain control when my kid is escalating which makes me escalate Mm -hmm. which makes them escalate yeah and then the next thing i know the house has exploded (laughs)
1: yes that's really good so i'm going to give you a resource um in the chat there's a book called changeable by Stuart ablon and in this book he talks about this process called collaborative problem solving in collaborative problem solving, Dr. Ablon and Dr. Perry have worked together to give us a protocol for conflict resolution that follows regulate relate reason. So I'll give you an example first so you can understand and then if you want more on it, go check out the book. It's a really quick easy read. So for example, I'm going to use a school example because that's what I know. So for example, um, a kid gets frustrated when they're working on something balls up their paper and throws it into the recycling bin. First of all, thank you for throwing it in the recycling bin and not into the trash. I appreciate your concern for the environment. So what I'm going to do is follow the sequence of engagement when I'm talking to them. Let me pull it up so, I can show, so you can really see it. Okay, so first I'm gonna support their regulation. I'm going to ask them what's going on, how are you? What do you need? I'm going to give them a voice. That is regulating. What I don't need when I'm upset is for someone to say, you shouldn't be upset. That's not helpful for me. And it's not helpful for kids. So I want to acknowledge for them, with them, something's going on here. Talk to me about what's going on. For some kids, they don't have the language to do that when they're angry. So I can fill that in for them. I can see that your face, your eyebrows look like this. Your face is showing me that you're, you're mad. Is that what's going on for you? Give them a voice first, acknowledge their feelings. That's the regulate. Then to relate, we want to, we want to teach kids that even though you're angry or, and when you're angry, you also need to know what's going on for other people when you're angry. So I see that you're really upset or they reflect back to you. I'm, I'm angry that you made me do this work. I acknowledge, of course, I, I heard you say that you're angry. And it's really important to me that you do this assignment so that we can get, make sure you learn what you need to learn. So I express what's happening for me as I'm interpreting what's going on for them. Then the reasoning part of the conversation becomes, I heard you say you don't want to do this. And I said that it's important to me that you do do this. What can we do to make this work? And so your kid might say something like, I don't want to do it. And again, you reflect back. I heard you say you don't want to do it. And I think that you're capable of doing it and I'm here to help you do it. Would it be possible for me to sit down with you and do this together? Maybe your child says, nope, not doing it. And you say to them something like, okay, I hear you. What do you suggest? And we just continue to go back and forth with offering their voice in the space. What Stuart Ablon calls this is plan B. So what you need to know is that plan B is not always the thing. There's plan A and there's plan C. Plan A is you do what I said because I said that's what you're going to do. And that is important for kids to know and experience sometimes. Plan C is I'm tired. I ain't dying on this hill tonight. Go ahead and, and, and leave your street clothes on when you go to bed like, or don't take the bath or whatever the thing is, right? That's the kind of permissive um, approach, and that's good for kids sometimes. Sometimes that's just what we need, but plan B is really the sweet spot. That's where we're teaching kids, or we're saying to them, I hear you, you have a voice here, and this is what's going on for me as an adult, adult, let's problem-solve that together. So plan B is not always the correct option, but it should be the option most of the time for your child. Now, what, what Dr. Perry and Stuart Ablon said throughout the pandemic is that you're probably going to fall into plan C a bit more than you usually would. The permissive, like when you're quarantined with somebody, like go ahead and play the video games for 90 minutes instead of 60 minutes today. Like we'll, we'll live if that's the case, as long as I don't have to fight you on that. Right. But as we're transitioning back into a, more, more typical routine with schools opening back up and things like that. We want to start to shift the approach back to that plan B approach because we don't want to live in plan C and permissiveness all the time. Cause of course that's not healthy for kids. They need the structure and they need the voice and the space. So if you're interested in more around that, that book is a really good book. He gets into parenting, he gets into community, he gets into education. Um, and if your child has a teacher, go ahead and recommend the book to them because they need this information too. So you can be advocates for that. Colleen, does that help answer your question? That does very much. (laughs) That was a very long answer to your very short question. So thank you for hanging in. (laughs) Great. Any other questions or thoughts that you all have or feedback? Like what more do you need? Okay, you're welcome to type it in the chat too. I'll also drop my email in the chat really quickly. Um, so you are more than welcome at any point in time to shoot me an email. I'm happy to jump on a Zoom call with you um, to talk through strategies or the brain or whatever whatever you need. Um, let me pull up, Colleen, I'm gonna pull up these yeah. slides for you to, to dive into. Yeah. the last, we have one minute.
0: Yes, so we uh, have, and actually, I am going to switch to sharing um, my screen really quick. Um, We have a lot of resources going on our Spark website, which I'm going to drop into uh, the chat window in just a second. Uh, The Spark program was designed out of the fact that remote learning didn't really, um, we were missing a lot of components in the spring and a lot of those components were the parent and community support. So that's really what my job has been and we're pulling all of our parent and caregiver specific resources together in one spot for you to be able to easily find them. Um, The first thing we've got here is these parent trainings and upcoming webinars. This is our one next week on what is social emotional learning and why is it important. If you have not registered for it and you would like to, you can click on that. Um, feel free to forward it and share it. Every resource we provide through the SPARC program is free because we want it to be accessible to everyone across the state. Uh, we have some pre recorded webinars as well. And then these parent resource hubs can be really useful, especially if you click on these parent questions and concerns. They are broken down by your student's LMS because the computer help button changes, Um, but Parent questions and concerns can cover everything from securing affordable internet to your home to finding movement or meditation apps for your students to use, how to stay organized and on task and with a lot of that um, predictability that Abby was talking about earlier. All of these resources are free and categorized right here for you. Um, If you'd like to share it with your school or school district, there's even more resources here under district toolkit. Uh, so, what we have sort of coming down the pipe, and I'm going to stop sharing Abby now so you can share that slide um, about the course, uh, is we're really making a push for social emotional learning and creating that, uh, building out that toolkit for parents to use beyond just, you know, remote learning is, is more than just how to turn your computer on, like we need to be supporting parents beyond just that. Um, so, we have tonight's webinar, we have another one coming up next week. And then this is all going to lead into a five-part self-paced course that parents can take. We're calling it Parenting in a Pandemic, a course for caregivers. Um, We're covering topics from creating a space for remote learning, what uh, what is stress, how do I keep my students engaged, what does it take for a student to self-regulate, and how are you as a parent or caregiver taking care of yourself? And Abby is the one that's going to be writing the curriculum, sort of leading um, people through these courses. So if you liked what you saw tonight, there is a lot more coming from her with our partnership with the LTC. Um, Abby, is there anything you want to add on to that? No, that was excellent. Thank you. Yeah. So the other part is, you see our Twitter up in the top left corner there. Um, We are entirely word of mouth in our advertisement. So if you are on Twitter, which Twitter can be a bit of a stressor, so I understand if you're not, um, but it's an easy way for us to get information out to a large audience. Uh, Feel free to follow us on Twitter and you'll always see when we have updates on webinars, things like our courses, or just general resources that we're putting out there for schools and districts to use. Awesome, thanks so much. Um, I'd like to lead you through
1: just one more deep inhale and exhale and then I'm gonna send you on your way and I'll hang on the line in case you have any um, thoughts or questions that you wanna ask before you sign off. So go ahead and put your feet on the floor, put your spine in a line. And you can invite your eyes to close or pick a spot on the floor table in front of you. And take a deep breath in through your nose, fill all the way up biggest breath of the day. And then on your exhale, open your mouth, let it go, sigh it out. You can open your eyes if they're closed, come back. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you for what you're doing. Take care, be well, and and let us know if there's anything we can do to support you. Bye, everyone. Have a good night.
0: For more information on the SPARK program, please visit www.ltcillinois.org slash spark.